right, well, welcome to our series, A Merry Heart, where the goal is simple. All of us are going to increase our merry meter, right? If you can go to that next slide here, we have the merry meter. Um, And interestingly enough, I talked to some people this last week. After four weeks of the Merry Heart series that are still down in the Bah Humbug range, um, actually one of them, uh, Kevin Gray, who's a pastor up at uh, the Midcoast. Hey, Kevin, he's... um, full-time here now, so I had some time to talk to him, and actually Matt, met with him, uh, Matt's going to be leading our Wyndham campus that's starting next year, and both of them were way down in the Bah Humbug range after four weeks of the Merry Heart series, but you guys, relax, relax, because if you don't know this, a few weeks ago, Sam and Ruth from up in the Mid-Coast were down here, you guys, anybody here when they shared with us about a month, or a little over a month ago? Well, yeah, they did a great job, and they actually shared some dynamite uh, uh, tricks with us. So this week, towards the end of the sermon, we're bringing out the dynamite. So anybody who's still in the bah humbug rage, we're just going to dynamite you right out of your hole. And I am totally joking, by the way. Those, those guys are grumpy. Kevin is always cheerful, and Matt is usually. All right. <laughs> uh, uh, it really is. It's the goal of the series. Uh, I think we're going to look right into the Word of God. And, and this film uh, does an amazing job of taking right from the scriptures, uh, Charles Dickens was a Christian man, right from the scriptures, biblical principles of what God would have and how we, t- how we could have a merry, should have a merry heart. And we're going to learn two, pull out two biblical secrets to having a merry heart. And before I get into that, by the way, I just have to share this. Uh, and this is just as a question for the men, not the ladies. Now, men, are you digging the sweater today? Is this awesome? Come on, guys. Is, is this not a cool sweater? Thank you, guys. And why I'm asking that is because last night I had a sweater on that Raquel completely put the kibosh on, would not allow me out of the house in. And this one, today, she said she would tolerate. And I've just noticed that. We actually brought this up at a board meeting, put it on the agenda, because this is a big deal here. That's a joke. Um, This is a big deal because... Us men have noticed that women, you are... Now, ladies, just, just take this, you know, as, it, as, as it's meant. It's, it's all in good love here. Uh, women, you, you are, you have great taste in so many ways, but us guys have noticed that there's one specific area where you completely seem to have lost your taste, and that is sweaters. <laughs> us guys, is that not true, Mark? Us guys, we can spot a groovy sweater from a thousand miles away. I've noticed every year I put my bag of sweaters away up in the attic, and every year I notice when I take it out, it's lighter than when I put it away. But she doesn't know. I just go back to Goodwill and buy them back again, so. (laughs) All right, our first merry heart secret from the Word of God is this. If we're going to have a merry heart, and the film does an excellent job of portraying it, it's something that the Bible talks a lot about. About. In fact, this is the very first word out of Jesus' mouth. The Bible says that when Jesus began preaching, so guess what? What is the very first word out of Jesus' mouth when he began preaching? Matthew says he began preaching saying, repent. Believe it or not, the first word out of his mouth is repent. So what does repent mean? It's to recognize and to turn from sin, from pain-causing wrong in our life. Would, do we cause any pain in this world? That's certainly, surely not us, right? Not us, that's for other, we, we know people who need to repent. We know some sinners out there, right? But that's not us, for heaven's sakes. Friends, if we're gonna experience a merry heart, repentance is something we're gonna have to become familiar with, get comfortable with. Repentance is not that thing that you can say, well, yeah, 
I did that back in 68, 72, 96, whatever it was. I repented, received Jesus, and now I'm good to go. Now, repentance is an ongoing state in our, in our being, but we're just aware that if it's smelly in the room, we're probably part of the problem, okay? And it's just, it's just a living with that awareness. And actually, the film does an amazing job of portraying what I think is the biggest challenge to repentance, the thing that, that keeps us all from being overly aware of the pain that we're causing is this, and we're going to see it in the film. All right, did you catch it? What is the thing that whether or not we realize it, and probably most of us don't put our finger on this and recognize it, but what is the thing that keeps us from, from recognizing the pain that we cause in the world? Did you pick it up? It's our own pain, our own pain. And interesting enough, and the movie does a great job, the book, I should say, does a great job of going right from this right to the next scene when he's older and it really doesn't, it doesn't include it anymore in the story. You just see him all of a sudden with his greed, you know, with, from this point on, him just being guilty of his own greed. And it doesn't really excuse it, but here's what happens, and it's, this happens to all of us. Now, again, probably the, maybe the majority of us can't look back on it, and we're not consciously aware of, you know, things in our life that were causing us pain. Maybe that's the case. But here's just a reality. All of us have experienced pain in this world. This, this world has proven itself to be unstable to every last one of us. Now, just in case you're not following along with that film really well, that was the ghost of the Christmas past was bringing him back to experience some Christmases uh, of the past. The first one was when he was young, and he's left alone at a boarding school. His parents is, have put him in a boarding school, and when everybody else goes home for Christmas, they just leave him there. So obviously, this is, this is telling you something about his upbringing. And then years later, you see that his, his sister has come to, to bring him home, so he gets to go home for a Christmas. We don't need to dig any further into that story to know that obviously he grew up in a pretty painful environment. So what's the picture? The picture is that when, and again, maybe you're, hopefully, hopefully your childhood wasn't that painful, but we've all grown up in an insecure, painful world and we all, whether you recognize it or not, you have pain. Some of us, that's really easy to tell because you can feel it physically right now in your body. But one of the interesting things about heaven, the Bible says in the description of heaven, one of the very first things the Bible says is the curse is removed and there'll be no more pain. So for those, those of us who say, I don't have any pain in my life, wait till you get there and you'll recognize, oh, okay, that was pain. All right, so again, what happens though is because we've all experienced instability and because we have pain, repentance is living with this awareness that yes, I have pain and that's gonna keep me from recognizing my own faults. It's gonna keep me from recognizing pain that I cause. It's completely natural. It's completely normal for us to recognize our own life and feel you know, an insecure world. And what is completely, absolutely normal, 100% of human beings do this, is we seek security in the insecure. We seek security, we all do this. We seek security in money. And that's what Ebenezer ended up doing or in some other physical thing. The Bible calls it greed. It's the part of the human condition. We seek security in things that ultimately are insecure. And what is the ticket out of that? Well, the ticket out of that, repentance is the human side of salvation. 
Make no mistake, salvation is the work of God. God is the one who reveals himself. God is our savior. He's the one, Christ is the one who comes to us. But there is one human part and that's repentance. That's that willingness to turn. And what is it that we have to turn from? Well, the simple fact, the Bible tells us that all a person's ways seem pure to them. When we read that scripture, most of us are thinking of a guy. We think of that guy who's really a, just an awful person and they're self-justified. But what are we not thinking of when we read that scripture? We're not thinking of ourselves, are we? Does that actually apply to me? Do all my ways seem justified? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. All my ways are completely understandable. I'll never forget when uh, 20-some years ago when Raquel and I went our, to our first marriage counseling session. I remember. I mean, we've never hidden the fact we've had some struggles in those first years. We went to this marriage counseling, and I'll never forget sitting there kind of just realizing, okay, I'm going to give this counselor some rope here, you know. I know, I, I know that I'm just going to let him go and talk about, oh, yeah, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong. Give him a couple sessions of that. Just waiting because I know, because I feel like if I give him enough line here, I can, throw, I can snag him and reel him in because I know once I reveal the real pain and the real pain, maybe I've been hitting her with a feather, but she's been hitting me with a hammer for heaven's sakes. The real pain is in my life. Interestingly enough, we never really got much out of that counseling session, those sessions. Never really helped a lot. Why didn't it help a lot is because repentance is, I, was, I didn't have a repentant heart. I, didn't, I wasn't in a condition to recognize my part of the problem. And friends, this is something we need ongoing. We need it ongoing in our life. By the way, I believe that the, one of the best delineations of repentance in the world are what we call the 12 steps. I wish I had more time to explain this, but for 80 years, it started in AA, but now it's in all sorts of, it's a Christian base. They're already taken right out of the Bible. I'm just showing what it is, what the 12 steps are is I think the perfect breakdown and walking you through repentance. I think it's something that we should all do. We don't have time to go through all of it, but let's look at a couple of them here. We admitted to ourselves, we are powerless over our problem. Our lives had become unmanageable. I believe there's certain unmanageable parts in all of our lives and we're going to need Christ to help us. We made a searching and fear, everybody say fearless. Fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Do you know why you have to make a fearless moral inventory? Because to truly look at yourself and everything you've done, you're going to have to be fearless because you've been naughtier than you think. We have, we have, and that's why it has to be fearless because we're going to look at some scary things. Interesting enough, in this film, and maybe you're here and, and you have a child with you in service and you think, ooh, that little, that first ghost was scary. Well, wait till number three. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> you notice that these spirits are a little bit scary. But aren't you thankful that the Holy Spirit, the real, the, the Spirit of God would never show you anything scary, would he? <laughs> oh, Oh, yes, he would. The Bible says that it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit that convicts us of our sin. He's the one who shows us. And friends, all these, these steps are only taken with the aid of the Holy Spirit. The truth is, you cannot... I know we think we can. We think we can just humanly look at ourselves and, yeah, I can do a fearless, fearless moral inventory of myself by myself in five minutes. I can look back and say, yeah, I did that. I did that. You know, That was wrong. I'm sorry. No, it takes the Holy Spirit and probably a few friends to really look at ourselves and to really see, God, what, what is my part? To really see even greed in our own life, to see how we're finding security in things that are insecure. 
things that God asks us to repent for. It takes the Holy Spirit, which is why, by the way, we keep reading the Bible, which is why we keep coming to church, which is why we attend small groups, which is why we read our devotions. We keep coming. Why? Because this is how we keep our heart open. We're, we're grown up enough to realize that left to myself, I will justify all of my ways and I will end up in a ditch. I'll end up in a mess. Step number six, we're ready to have God remove all these defects of character. It is the act of God. We see in this scripture here, if you can go to the next slide here, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have, I have come not, I have not, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Do you know there's actually a category of people that Jesus didn't come for? You think, oh, that's not true. Jesus came for everybody. Well, he said, he said there's one category he didn't come for. Those who think they're righteous, those who are all, all set. If you're all set, you don't need him. No, he said the people he came for are those who know they are sinners. And this is ongoing. And hopefully we all fit into that category. We know we need his help, right? We know we need his help. We're going to go into this uh, second clip. And in this second clip um, in the film, we're going to see some repentance. We're going to see as the spirit of Christmas present takes Ebenezer to see something that's happening right under his nose. Uh, the son of the man he works that works for him is ill. Ebenezer could help. And up to this point, Ebenezer has felt absolutely no compulsion whatsoever to help this child. It's never crossed his mind that God might hold him accountable, that God might want him to do something. And you know, friends, that is so true for all of us. There are things in our face, and you don't want to wait till judgment day to find out that I was accountable for that. You expected me to do something about that? Interestingly enough, what he never felt any qualms over in this spirit's presence all of a sudden recognizes, and he feels not only compassion, but he feels a sense of obligation to help. And then the, uh, the next scene in this same one is the third gross that takes him and shows him his future, shows him his ultimate demise. And the Holy Spirit will help you see that. The Holy Spirit will help you see that if I don't change, if I don't open my heart to Christ, if I don't recognize the pain I've caused, the greed that is a part of my life, open up my heart to Christ and just become more liberal, I'm going to end up in a bad spot. So let's watch this together. All right. Everybody say repentance. What a perfect picture of it. Change them by an altered life. That is what repentance is. Again, it's that human part. Change them by an altered life. And we can all do this. Now, friends, we're going to move on from repentance to our next point. But we can't move on until we cross this line. Here's the line, gang. What a repent, if, you, if we have a repentant heart, here's the bottom line. We would recognize that I, we would just know this about ourselves. We'd be this self-aware to know this about ourselves. I have an unhealthy interest in my own security. I have an unhealthy fear of my own, for my own security. I have it. All right, can we admit that? It's just part of the human condition. And out of that, I'm going to be tempted, my, as long as I'm on this planet, I'm going to be tempted to spend all my time, energy, and money on me. It's, it's always going to be a temptation. And it's by God's grace, it's only by God's grace that, and with repentance that we are going to overcome it again. That's not something you do one time. That's something ongoing. We have a repentant heart. 
All right, here is our next Mary Hart secret, the final one for today. And this is the dynamite, all right? So any of you who are still in your crabby hole, all right? We're ready to, we're pulling out the dynamite now. We are gonna completely extricate you from your crabby hole and you will be, if you, if you don't have a merry heart after this, your merry meter is broke, right? It's just completely busted, all right? And here it is, all right? So here we see that obviously this scene is from the end of the book and the film when after he's repented, right? He's, he's responded to the spirit and he's repented and he's turned and now he has a liberal heart, the heart of Christ, right? Listen to an interesting scripture. Jesus said in Luke six thirty five, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them, give them money. He says, without expecting to be repaid. Jesus tells us to be liberal and generous even with our enemies, you know, much less his kingdom and his people. He's telling us to be generous even with our enemies, Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. So let's be sure. Let's be clear. He is experiencing a reward from heaven right now. Absolutely. But now listen to this next line. Jesus says this, and you will be truly acting as children of the most high. For he, God, is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Now listen to that line again, because I'm going to ask you a question. Listen to the line. Jesus said, a liberal heart, liberal giving, he said is this, you will be acting as children of the Most High. All right, now here's your question. So did Jesus just tell us that the way that you become a child of the Most High is by liberality and generosity and being Christ-like? Is that the way you become a child of God? You guys have been here long enough to know you're scared to answer a question when I ask like that because you know it's a loaded question. That's not what he said. He didn't say that's how you become a child of God. He said that's how, you, that's how a child of God acts. And sometimes we get confused because all of these scriptures, and there's a ton of them, that, that tell us how to do and how to act and how, you know, what Christ was like and how we should be Christ-like in this world. But all of those scriptures are telling us how a child of God acts. It's not telling us how you become a child of God. How do you become a child of God? You become a child of God by receiving Christ personally. There has to be, let me just say it this way. As we look at this picture, Ebenezer here is experiencing, no question, he's experiencing a reward from God, that joy. This is supernatural joy. If you're, and by the way, all real lasting joy is supernatural. It's not human. If you're gonna have real joy that sustains you, it's going to be coming from the spirit of Christ, all right? So he's experiencing that. But here's the question. Is he experiencing joy because now he's attained perfection. Is that what we're looking at? We're looking at perfection here. He's crossed the line. He's now perfect and he'll never have any more struggles again, right? He will perpetually now have a merry heart because he's been generous, right? Don't we wish it were that simple? Don't we wish that we could just obey that one time and cross that line? Because we've all experienced this. We've all been there. But how many have found out that joy leaks? You guys never discovered that? You just maintain that perpetual joy high that you're on. You guys, you just maintain that? I know a few, few, few people who have tried. And uh, <laughs> anyways, that's another sermon. All right. <laughs> Here's the point. The point is he hasn't attained perfection. What has he done? He's, he's obeyed. He's done the right thing, right? And that's the best we can do is do the right thing. 
But if, and here, everybody say if. If we're going to have a merry heart that, that continues, there's going to have to be a sacrifice bigger than ours. We're going to have to be standing on a sacrifice bigger than ours. Does anybody know what that sacrifice might be? Whose sacrifice might be slightly larger than ours? No matter how much we give, whose sacrifice, starts with a J, ends with an S, might be slightly larger than ours? Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. That, has, that is going to be our perpetual joy. And friends, there's, there's, there's two categories of scripture and sometimes people get confused. Some people kind of lean and they only want to lean on one side or the other. There's a lot of scripture that talk about our salvation by grace. There's a lot of other scriptures that talk about works and what God wants us to do. And there's some people, all they want to hear about is just grace and worship and salvation. It's all the work of Christ. And they don't want to hear anything about, about what God expects of us. And here's the reality, gang. Jesus did purchase your salvation, but he didn't do your work for you. He didn't. There are things God wants you to do as a son of God on this planet that Jesus didn't do. There are things, and some of them, a lot of them are hard, right? Okay, but there's other people, that's all they ever think about. That's all really church is and faith is to them is it's those things that we should do. It's the, the works. It's being a better person. It's being a better dad. It's being a better husband. It's being a better wife. It's being a better employer, employee, whatever. Being a better person. All those steps, and those are important. But gang, if we're gonna maintain that, it is built on a sacrifice. That comes, it takes a sacrifice to produce real joy. And that sacrifice that, that we have to maintain is an awareness of Christ's sacrifice. And I pray that you do, I pray that you learn. By the way, the reason we encourage you to develop a quiet time every day where you're spending a few minutes with God, it's not to put another burden on your back. It's so that every day you can have a moment of worship because you know what true worship is? Real worship See, the, pretty much the rest of your life is striving to be that person that Christ calls us to be. It's, it's walking it out. It's living it out. It's doing the things that Christ calls us to do. But what is worship? Worship is that one moment, which is, it really is quite different. In worship, we're not striving to be that person. In worship, if this can make sense, worship is when you go and sit at perfection. You go and sit at completion. Your whole, the whole rest of your life is trying to be that person. Worship is you just go sit there. Does that make sense? You go sit in Christ. You worship Christ. You worship and you thank God for his salvation. And if you're seeing it correctly, it puts something into you. A quiet time doesn't put something extra on your plate. It puts something into you. You sit there for a while and you recognize that it's his sacrifice and you thank him for his amazing grace. Let me illustrate this this way. This last weekend, I don't normally get in here uh, for the worship time um, because I part of my duties here is stay out there and greet as you come in. And um, sometimes people come in late a little bit. Sometimes it's the same people every week for 20 years. But nonetheless, I'm not... I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not bitter at all, and, and don't, don't feel that. Don't feel it, it, really, if you want to come. Anyways, let's move on. <clears throat> I mean, I'd like to get in here and worship too, but don't feel any pressure. All right. <laughs> it's my joy just to stand there and wait for you. All right, let's go. <laughs> Last week, um, Isaiah Bennett was here, so I'm like, you know, let's just go in. Something different. 
so let's just go in. I, I experienced our worshiping quite a bit, and, and they're awesome. But it's, it's different, so let's come in here and sit. I came in here and sat, and as is normal for me, and I, think, I don't think I'm different. I don't think I have a... I, ha, I certainly have no you know, secret relationship with God. I'm no better. I'm no different. But I think this ought to be absolutely normal for any Christian who understands their own salvation. If you understand what has already taken place, if you understand what Christ has purchased for you, you ought to be able, just like that, to step in that place and you're stepping into perfection. You're stepping into completion. You're stepping into your salvation. The work of Christ is done. You cannot add anything to it. His sacrifice is complete, and you can't add to it. All you can do is enjoy it. Now, yes, the rest of our lives, we are living it out. We're going out there to be like him, but in that moment, we are experiencing that. So I came in here, sat down the front row, and again, this isn't just during music. I don't think, I don't know if there's, there probably is something special about music, but it's not just music. I have this experience a lot, just with me and him alone, without any music. But just as that first song, and it wasn't just the music, but listen to the words. I want you to listen to the words of the first song that he sang. And it's, your love never fails. It's one that our worship team does all the time. But listen to these words. Um, My debt is paid. There's nothing that can separate my heart from your great love. Listen to those words. My debt, everybody say, my debt is paid. Friends, that is the gospel. That is salvation. That is the cup that we will drink from for eternity. That is the cup that never runs dry. And if you're looking for a church that's getting into the deep stuff, you can't get any deeper than that cup. You can't get any deeper than that. And we have to learn to just keep drinking from that. And I just sat down, enjoying that. It's not long till a tear is trickling down my cheek. Why? Because there's just something about when the Spirit of God, when you enter that place and the Spirit of God touches your heart with what He has done, it just touches you emotionally. It touches your heart. It just touches you in a deep place. Um, And then the rest of the song, your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. It is just that simple revelation that in Christ, I've already won. The goose is cooked. We win. Right? Right? We're in. We're in. We're saved eternally, secure already. You guys do get it, right? Friends, if we, if you get that, again, I don't know, it's a cup that, that never gets old. And then the second song, second song he sang again, Jesus Messiah, uh, one that we sing. Here's the words to the song. By the way, I love the old hymns. I really do. I, I, I'm older than I might look. You think, oh, no, <laughs> I don't think so, Pastor Brian. Uh, anyways, so I do. I love the old hymns, but I'll tell you, a lot of these new songs are, are the most gospel Christ-centered that I've ever heard in my life. They, they nail it. They go right to the center of the issue. And the issue is the sacrifice of Christ. Make no mistake about it. That is the center of everything. Listen to the words of this song. He became sin. Jesus Messiah was the second song. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness. Do we realize what we just sang? That is, that is a scripture, by the way. What did we just sing? He took all my mess all the stuff in my life that takes that smile away, all that junk was laid on him. 
Because here's the fact, Ebenezer has not found perfection personally yet. And neither have I, and neither have you. So where is perfection to be found? Where is it? It's in Christ. I'll say it again. There is a sacrifice deeper than yours. Yes, I think we're clear. God calls us to live a sacrificial life, and that will bring us joy. But there will always and forever be a sacrifice greater that we have to. That's the dynamite game. And if that doesn't bump your merry meter, it's broke. It's just, you just need to recognize what Jesus has done. I want to just go on with this, uh, showing you this uh, little chart here. Uh, this is supposed to represent, this down the middle, is a road, the straight and narrow road. How many have heard of the straight and narrow road? You guys never heard of that? Okay. I kinda wonder, that kind of explains a lot about some of you. Anyways, um, a straight and narrow road. Jesus said that his salvation would be a straight and narrow road. And there's a lot of ways, there's a lot of things that that illustrates, but one of them is this, that we spend a good part of our life um, coming out of this ditch. On, the, on both sides of this road are ditches. On the, both sides of every road, there are ditches, right? And on the one side of this road is just basic guilt, greed, okay, the human condition, right? And most of us spend our entire life you know, trying to get out of that, just getting up on that road, just, just, just fighting that, overcoming it, you know, just, just endeavoring to be and to act like a child of God. But then how about when you actually start obeying? You actually, tithing starts making sense to you and, and liberal giving and just being a person who helps, whenever, whatever God puts on your heart, you, you just start doing it. You're just a giver, all right? What happens when you get on that road? Well, the Bible says that there is a spirit in this world called Satan, and he's got two primary jobs. He's a tempter, and then the Bible also refers to him as an accuser. Now, the, the 90% of his work is as your tempter, but if on those rare occasions he finds a human being that's a runner, when he gets a runner, you know what a runner is? A runner is that person who's, they're just not going to stay. They're just going to keep moving. They're going to get up on that road. By golly, he can't keep them down. He can't keep them in their greed. He can't keep them in their junk. He just can't hold them down. There are, everybody say a runner. Say, I'm a runner. That's us, man. We're not going to stay down. We're not, maybe, you know, we're, we're going to get our rear end kicked a few times here, but we're going to keep running, right? We're going to get up on that road and walk that straight and narrow, right? Well, when he finds a runner, here's what he does. He's like, okay, all right. Can't keep this guy down. Can't keep him from running. So what can I do? I can push. I can get behind and I can push. So what does pushing feel like? Pushing feels like this. It doesn't matter what you do. No sacrifice is ever enough. No amount of giving, whether it's financial, your time, your, you, no, no, no amount of love expressed to other people. It's never enough. It's not enough. Oh, sure, sure, you gave, but what's that? You, know, you think about that picture. Can you go back to the, the slide just before? I think that's the picture, right? Think about this, this picture. Here's Ebenezer, again, experiencing this joy, this breakthrough. C consider this. Is it entirely possible that there are other needy people on the side of the road right there. This road he's walking down. Is it possible that there are other needs right there? Well, shouldn't he wipe that grin off his face? I mean, for heaven's sakes, there's a thousand other needs that he hasn't taken care of. See, friends, that can happen to us. And, and what is the defense of that? Uh, the defense is that we just obey God. That we're, we're answering to God. 
We are not responsible to meet every need on planet Earth. What are we responsible to do? To obey God, to do what he says. And now, if you're doing what he says, you will be living a sacrificial life, but there will be a time where you recognize, I've done what I can do. I've done what he's asked me to do. You are not the Messiah, nor am I. And we're not going to live in false guilt. We're not the Savior. We're going to do our part. And then we're going to enjoy a sacrifice greater than our own. Amen? So with that, you're going to have to go two slides ahead. We're going to watch this clip. And I just think, again, it's just a great picture of what our part is. God bless us, everyone. Do we get the point? The point that I'm trying to make from that last scene is that the man, the narrator there came out, Bob Cratchit came out and said that the bottom line was he did the right thing. He, you know, for the rest of his life, he continued to do good. He continued to be liberal. Gang, that's all we can do. We cannot meet every need. We cannot be the Messiah, but what can we do? We can obey God. We can, we can look into his word and recognize and, I'm just going to move on. I was thinking of something else, but I'm not going to say it. All right. We can can obey God is the bottom line. And if we'll do that, the whole rest of it, the rest of it that's going to keep us with a merry heart is honoring Christ's sacrifice. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? I wonder just as I've been just sharing that this last part of Christ's sacrifice, there's more than one of us in here who you have a heart for God, you've loved God for a long time, but maybe just in a new, fresh way, just as I was sharing that, that talking about Christ's sacrifice being greater than your own, might have been a moment where you recognize that, you know, I really need, I need a savior. My sacrifice, I, I, I can't be good enough. I, I can't be perfect. And, and I need a savior. And if the spirit of God is just touching your heart, calling you and you recognize that I just need to call on him. I need to know that Jesus Christ is my answer. That his perfection, his completion is on my record and not my own. Now nobody's looking around, but if that's you and you just feel God tugging at your heart that you just want, you just want all he has for you. If that's you, would you raise your hand right there where you're seated? Nobody's looking around. You say, that's me. That's me. Several hands that were lifted. Let's all just repeat this out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice for me on that cross. Lord, I place my faith in you. Lord, your righteousness is mine. Your forgiveness is mine. Lord, thank you for your amazing grace. I'm gonna walk with you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray.